the very beginning of the story today because there's something really deep and important we want to draw from this, okay? So from Matthew 4.4, we have it on the screen or maybe not. I'm getting the head shake no. Okay, well, it's all back there. So they've got it and uh, maybe it'll come up, maybe it won't. So Matthew 4.4, so maybe I'll just read it to you since we don't have it on the screen. So then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, I love when the scripture states the obvious, he was hungry. The tempter, that is Satan, came to him and said, If, I always love those ifs, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered them, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus, this morning, we just want to hear a word from your mouth. We want to receive what you have to say to us. And God, so we are opening ourselves to you. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So as I said, we're continuing this series called The Listening Life, and it has been inspired by this excellent, excellent book called The Listening Life. There are a few books. I I, I don't recommend books lightly, okay? I don't just like willy-nilly, hey, you should read this one. If, if I was to recommend any one book for you to read this next year, it would be this book, The Listening Life, outside of the Bible, that is. You know, if I just be clear. Um, because this series is inspired by this book. However, we're not preaching this book. We are preaching this book. We are preaching the Word of God. We are teaching the Word of God. And, and uh, Adam McHugh's book here is it's a, just a fabulous book, but it is based in Scripture, and he draws out the principles of, of listening and how we listening. And it's really, really important that we get this. I mean, we figured if there was any one thing that we wanted our church to be, if there was any one characteristic that we thought this church really needs to offer this community, it's that they would listen to other people well. How many of you would say you're great listeners? All right, now look around. How many of you that know those people would say that they're great listeners? No, I'm kidding. Don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. Only three or four of you raised your hands. I was very proud of you, and brave. it was very brave. And actually, some of you, I think, are great listeners, those of you who raised your hand. Some of you are not. I'm kidding. He's a pretty good listener. He's listening to me right now. All right, so one of the great— this is the reason I want this church to be a good listening church is because uh, sociologists have recently done some studies, and if you guys have ever heard of the five love languages— you ever heard of that? You know, how do you receive love? You know, I receive love through gifts. I receive love through quality time. I receive love through this or that. However, we've got all of these different love languages that we might have, but there is one thing that can happen where you will feel, this is the, the experience that's most closely associated with love. In fact, this is how it was asked. What happens to you when, and, and no, I can't say it right. I've always stumbled over this. I, I keep trying to explain it to people, but experience most closely associated with being loved is being listened to. When I am listened to, I feel as though I have been loved. Not that I received a gift or not that I received something that made me feel loved. When I'm listened to, I actually feel like I am loved in that moment. It is the one experience that somebody can give somebody else. And so as followers of Jesus, who has called us to to trust the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, and all of our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? This is the call of Jesus on our lives. Another way of saying that, that I like to say it this way, is trust Jesus with everything and love everyone always. If we want people to experience being loved, or if we want to experience being loved ourselves, the best way to do that for somebody is to listen. It's to listen. 
We all want to be listened to. We desperately want to be known. We desperately want to experience love. And, but most of us, because of that, spend a lot of time lo- talking, right? We spend all kinds of time talking. We're busy telling each other, well, this is who I am. This is what I think. This is what's important to me. This is what's going on in my life. We do it not just verbally. We do it, you know, physically as well with what clothes we wear, how we dress, how we act, how we, how we posture ourselves, what breakfast cereal we eat all speak to something about who we are inside, and we're, it, we're projecting it. This is how our culture operates. We're projecting to the people around us, this is who I am. Hear me. See me. Hear me. See me. And all of us want that so deeply that we're all talking really loud. We are speaking in volumes, but we're listening in snippets. Here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, we are called to love everyone always. And the best way to do that is to be the best listeners we can possibly be for somebody else so that other people can experience the love of God by your presence. That's what this is all about. But the problem for us, not just is that we're always talking about who we are, but as Christians, we've kind of got all the answers, right? Christians are notorious for this. We've got all the answers. When somebody sits down with you and they start talking, they start sharing your problems with you, you're like, oh, I know the answer. I know the answer. The answer is sin. You've got sin in your life you need to deal with. And I know how to fix the sin because Jesus saves us from the sin. And, and if you want to know how it all ends, you're not sure how life is going to go, we know the end of the book, right? We got the end. Of, spoiler alert. This ends with Jesus winning, okay? So we've got all these answers. And if you think it's bad being a Christian and sitting with somebody and having a conversation where you're like, oh, I got all these answers and I'm just trying to listen, but I keep blurting answers, you should try being a pastor. Because as a pastor, I am actually paid to come up here on just about any given Sunday and to give you the answers to all of life's problems and to give you the answers of this word and to talk to you. I stand up here and I talk and I have a monologue, right? On Sundays, it's like my life is a monologue. and I'm constantly, So for me to learn how to preach or to listen is really difficult. In fact, here's, like, you might want to write this down someplace just so that you're aware. Pastors are some of the worst listeners out there. It's true. We're awful at it. So that was a part of why we wanted to do this series as well, because I wanted to learn how to listen well. I wanted to learn how to welcome people into my space so that they felt like when they walked away from me, when you come into my office, which I don't have one of, but if you walk into my lobby and I'm sitting there and and we sit down and we start having a conversation, that you walk away feeling like, hey, he just listened to me. He, He knows what's going on in my life. He knows... What, how to pray for me. He loved me well. That's what I hope for myself, and I hope for you. So let me start this. I mean, that's what we're out to do. We're out to learn to listen with our whole lives, and we want to learn to listen so that we can love well. That's the point of this whole series. But we also want to learn to listen in every aspect of our lives. So last week, we talked about listening to God, right? And this week, we're going to talk about listening to Scripture, which is another way of listening to God. So let me ask you this question. How many of you would like to hear from God more? right? About 25% of you. Anybody else want to jump in on that? I'm like, yeah, okay, there's a, there's a couple extras going to pop in. Like, I had to think about it for a second. Do I really want to hear from God more? Like, how many of you, if I was to give you a magical technique that would guarantee that you could hear more from God, would you do it? I'm getting head nods. Some of you are going, okay, what's this magical technique? What do I have to do, right? Like, well, I have to wear special clothes? Do I have to wear magic underwear or something? Is there like, is it going to cost me nine ninety five a month for the rest of my life? What? Yeah. Okay. So don't get anxious. Don't get anxious. It's okay. 
I'll just give it to you straight. Here it is. Ready? This is it. If you want to hear more from God, are you ready? I'm going to write this down. Read the Bible. Yeah, there's an amen. <laughs> yes. Read the Bible. I'm just going to let that sink in for a minute. You don't need a special outfit because you can read it in your sleepy pants with a cup of coffee. You can read it in your going out to the nice restaurant clothes. You can read it in your work clothes out on the farm. You can read it sitting in your tractor. You don't need special clothes. It is zero calories. It is not, there's no trans fats. It is even low in sodium. It is not particularly pain-inducing, at least physically. There are no monthly payments involved. There is one thing that you can do that will guarantee that you will hear from God more in your life, and it's to read the Bible. Boom. Drop the mic. I could drop this mic, but it's, like, really not impressive, so just drop the mic. End of sermon. That's it. We can all go home now. Ready? Have a good day. This is it. This is it. If you want to hear from God, read the Bible. It's that simple. One of the greatest acts of grace in the whole history of grace is that God chose to take the initiative to know us and to let us know him. In fact, so many people in our world, they consider themselves, they consider themselves deists. And what that means is there might be a God, but we can't know him. We can't experience him. We can't talk to him. He's not interested in what's going on in our lives. He's set things in motion and just left it to do its thing. But we have this book called the Bible, and in it is the history of God's relationship with man, and God is speaking to people all through it. In fact, if you start reading in the book of Genesis, like at the very, very beginning, there is these quotation marks that pop up about two verses in. And it says, and God said, and in quotation marks, let there be light. God speaks into the universe, and the universe listens and comes together. Then God starts speaking to man. He starts speaking to Adam. He starts speaking to Eve, and he's talking all the time through the whole scripture, and it keeps going. There's these quotation marks, and God said, and the word of the Lord came to, and then Jesus starts speaking, and then it comes later. Paul's hearing from God, and the Holy Spirit is speaking through people, and they're prophesying, and they're telling each other encouraging words, and they're lifting each other up, and it's all recorded here. God has spoken to his people and we have it. But not only that, this, the Bible is not just God's recorded words of what he has spoken. When we read it, God speaks to us through it. He's coming at us. In fact, that's just the reality of who God is. God is coming at us all the time. We just fail to see him. We fail to hear him. God is coming at us. He's making bids for relationship. He's inviting you to listen, to speak, to know him more, to be with him, to be in his presence. He's inviting you to be encouraged to be lifted up, to be moved into a higher place that you would be a, not just a better person, but you would be more like who you were intended to be. God is for you, and he loves you, and that's what his word speaks to us as we listen to it. God is loving on us through his word. Bottom line. But some of you are saying, well, Pastor Jamie, when I read the Bible, mostly I just feel confused. I mean, there are whole swaths of this thing that make absolutely no sense to me. In fact, the passage that we read this morning, that thing, I don't even know. I mean, you didn't even start preaching on that yet. Why did we start reading that? And it didn't make sense in the first place. Jesus wandering the desert for 40 days, not eating, not drinking, the devil showing up. I mean, what is that all about? What is that all about? I mean, there's even parts in here that really bother us. Places where 
God seems to be a misogynist. That means he hates women. There are places in there where God seems to be genocidal. Wipe out all the nations. There are places in there that just don't make sense, that are violent, that are ugly, and I am uncomfortable with them, and I don't like them, and I don't want to read about them, so I think I'll just stick to the nice parts of the Bible, like, you know, Matthew, where Jesus is all nice, and maybe I'll even skip the whole crucifixion because that's bloody and gory. Don't want to go there. If you're in that place, if you've experienced that in your life, let me just ask you this. I just want to encourage you. Would you be patient and trust Jesus? Because that's what this is all about. That's what, that's what loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, that's what it's all about. Trust Jesus in everything. Trust Jesus that he is speaking through this book to you, and even in the parts where you don't like, understand, even in the parts where it sounds more like a keto diet than a Bible verse, even in the parts where it sounds like Rwanda, not Scripture, when we start asking the, the Scripture what it's speaking to us, trust that Jesus is going to speak to you. Trust that he's going to say something to you in the middle of your questions. Trust that Jesus is going to pop up and reveal himself in that. Would you just trust Jesus with me? Now, others of you are on the other side of that question. But I'm going to come back to this, because this is why I'm asking you to trust Jesus. The verse that we read this morning shows us that Jesus built his life upon the word. When Satan comes to him in the midst of his hunger, in the midst of his thirst— and invites him to do exactly what all of us would really be tempted to do, right? If you had miracle-working power and you could do anything, Satan says to Jesus, who's hungry, who's thirsty, hey, see all those rocks right there on the ground? You're such a miracle-working power. If you are who you think you are, turn those rocks into bread and feed yourself. Feed yourself. And Jesus, in that moment, was tempted, it says. So if you've ever been tempted, you're in good company. Just like Jesus, you were tempted. If you've ever been tempted in this way, and Jesus has been tempted in this way, and he looks at Satan, he looks at the rocks, and his mouth is probably watering. Have you ever been that hungry, where your mouth is salivating because you're looking at rocks? He's looking at rocks, he's thinking of bread, and in his mind comes the Word of God from the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is in the beginning of the Bible, and it's one of the really hard books to read because it's all keto diet and you know, don't eat this, and don't eat that, and don't do this, and don't do that, and if you're bleeding, don't just put a band-aid on it, you're unclean, you've got to go through the ceremonial rites, and it gets all confusing. But in the middle of that, God speaks, and he reminds them of who the people of Israel were as they were wandering in the desert for 40 years. Wandering in the desert, hungry. And God began to pour manna, or bread from heaven, down on them, and they could eat, and they didn't know what it was, but it came from this word of the Lord. He said, I did that so that you would remember all of your days, Israel, that you do not just live by bread, but you live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Jesus, in that moment, immersed in these scriptures, immersed in these stories, immersed in the, the, the truth of what's going on there, remembering them, God brings to mind that scripture, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, remember I said Jesus was being tempted. That moment of temptation came, and Jesus turned to Satan himself, and with the power of the words of Scripture, turned away that temptation. His life was formed and built on it. Now, if Jesus' life was formed and built on this book, I think it's a pretty good starting place for you and me. Amen? Agreed? Okay, sometimes we got to say, like, so you, you got to encourage me, guys. I need some encouragement here this morning. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, some of you are going, it's really hard to read, Pastor Jamie. It's really hard to stay with that. But the truth is this. If Jesus built his life upon this word, we can too. We can be more like Jesus by building our lives on his word. He built it on this book. He responds to temptation by quoting the scriptures. And God's words come to him. And here's the thing about God's words. Not only are God's words just words, like you and I give words, but those words are filled with power. And not just power, but grace to do what they say. So when Jesus is remembering the scripture, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God, he suddenly is standing taller, and his belly is filled with the words and power of God, and he now has the grace to step through that temptation, to walk through it. That's what God's words do for us. The foundation of Jesus' life is trusting in every word that God speaks. And I think even one that doesn't make sense to us, it's safe for us to trust it as well. Now, on the other side of the coin, some of us, you know, the first group of us are reading the Bible and we're like, I don't make sense of it, I don't understand it, but there is power in it and I'm going to try, try to read it. I'll trust Jesus in that. Now I'm asking others of us who, who read the Bible a lot. Some of you are going, read the Bible? Really, Pastor Jamie? Like, I thought I was coming to church to get like the good stuff. I thought you were going to come with some kind of a great big spiritual lesson and my life was... There's going to be this altar time, and blubbering, and tears, and mascara everywhere, and it was going to be a mess, and I was just waiting for this word from God this morning, and you're bringing me read the Bible? You're bringing me something so bread and butter is all of that? Yes. Yes, I am. Because it is bread and butter. That's a term we used when I was doing tree work. We'd have jobs that were like you know, extraordinary jobs, or we'd bring giant cranes in, and we would do amazing things, or move a 400-year-old tree and, and put it on an estate, or these things were, those were extraordinary jobs, but every day, just about, we would go and prune something. We would work on somebody's estate and clean up some trees, and I would see those same trees and those same bushes year after year after year. I mean, there's hedges in Seattle where I'm like, just I'm like sick of those. I don't even ever want to see them again. The bread and butter of our business was the everyday work that we did, not the extraordinary things. And so too with Christians is reading the Bible. It is our bread and butter. It is a practice that has been done for, for, with Christians for hundreds of years, and really for even before that with the Jews for thousands of years. It's the bread and butter of Jesus stuff. It's what it is to follow Jesus, to read his word and to know what it says. Look, folks, there's no magic bullet, no no special trick to knowing or hearing from God other than reading his word and listening, to open our ears. There is no deep knowledge that makes you more spiritual or better able to hear God. Just Jesus. Just Jesus speaking. And Jesus reminds us that our bread and butter as believers is every word from the mouth of God. So from cover to cover, we are given his word. But here's the thing. Just because God is speaking doesn't mean that we're listening one of the first things I learned as a pastor. Just because I'm speaking doesn't mean the congregation's listening. That's why I'm always looking for amens, because then I know you guys are listening, right? You're encouraging me, because I heard that. I may not agree with that, or I may not know what to do with that, or I'm challenged by that, or yes, that is so true, and it's radically transformed my life. Amen. I know that you're listening when you say amen. Just because God is speaking doesn't mean that we're listening. In fact, Jesus says this of a lot of people. He says that you are ever hearing but never perceiving ever seeing but never understanding i think i mixed up the words but it all works out anyway 
You, you don't, you, you see what's right in front of you. You see this Bible, but you have no idea what it is. You hear the words being spoken to you week after week, but you don't understand what's being said. I spent a good portion of my life studying this book. Like, of all the books in our library, and my library is extensive, it spills from my house into a room upstairs, and there's piles of books, and you come to my bedside stand, most times if you were to sneak into my bedroom at night, it'd be creepy. But if you were to look, and you sneak into our bedroom at night, Heidi's got a pile of books on her side, and I got a pile of books on my side, and there's books all over the place. Our kids' bedrooms are full of books. Like, if we ever moved, we've got a truckload of books. Okay, we got a library. It's like a big library, not just a small one. And we love books. If there's any one thing we collect is books. But of all the books that we own, the book that I have studied the most and read the most times from cover to cover is this one. I don't even know how many times I've read this thing. Over and over and over again. I like, I like to try to preach, preach from stories that people are like unfamiliar with. The problem is, is now every time I read the Bible, I'm like, oh yeah, that, that story again. Oh yeah, that story again. Oh yeah, that story again. All of them are familiar to me. I'm amazing. You're like, why are you even talking about this? Oh, it's because I'm amazing. I just wanted to tell you. <laughs> I have taken classes in theology, biblical criticism, Old and New Testament writings, biblical history. I know how to figure out how things were written in the original Greek and the original Hebrew. It's amazing. You go to, the, go to Google and it'll tell you. Um, secrets. Um, yeah, I've approached the Bible in all sorts of different ways. And most of those ways never actually help me hear God. A lot of us do this. I've read the, for this Bible from the perspective of the Chilton's Manual, and I had a picture for you. Anybody familiar with the Chilton's Manual? Okay, back in the day when cell phones were really a, a telephone that was attached to the wall with a really long cord, it was a cell phone. We had these things called phone books, which, you know, you could look up a phone number in it and find out how to call Jan. It was amazing. It was a miracle of science. And it was back in that day, we had these things called Chilton's Manuals. And if you're driving your car down the road and it suddenly started chugging and stopped, you went to the back of your car and you pulled out this gigantic book that had every nut and bolt labeled and it showed you how everything worked and how to take it apart and put it back together and how to problem solve. It was an amazing book. Nowadays, you've got to like, you got to pay somebody a million dollars to just look at your car because it's all computerized and it's got AI in there and it thinks for you and anticipates your needs and they don't even know what to do with it. But Chilton's Manual, you can help you you can fix things. And I've read the Bible from that perspective. It's a Chilton's manual where, ah, my life is chugging along, and suddenly I'm kind of came to this rolling stop. Things aren't working. There's this pain in my life. There's this suffering going on around me. I need to figure out why there's suffering in my life. I'm going to go to the Word of God because the Word of God will tell me how I'm supposed to work and how life is supposed to be, and then I can fix whatever's wrong with it, and we'll go right back on with life. I was looking at it as a car manual. I've also read this book as a medical manual. I'm sick. I need to get better. Let's go to the Bible. I've read it looking for principles to live by, axioms to quote and put on a bumper sticker on my car. I've never actually done that, but this is the idea, right? We make it quotable. We make it sayable and repeatable. I've read it as an encyclopedia of religious knowledge so that I could understand the history of the Bible and the history of its people. The problem with all of these ways of reading the Bible, all of them can be good, all of them can have value, but the deepest part of all of this is that when I go to the Bible looking for the solution to my life, when I go to the Bible looking to understand biblical history, I am reading it from a me-centric perspective. It's a selfish way to read the Bible. 
I'm looking at it to understand me. But this is here to help us understand Him. It's here to help us understand who is God and how do His words shape us and change us. How do His words give us the power and the grace to walk in what He has called us to walk in? Adam McHugh, in his book here, he uh, reminded me of my sophomore year in high school in his chapter on reading the scriptures and hearing God in scripture. He reminded me of the day that I walked into my sophomore biology class. Any biology fans out there? Yeah. This, remember this one day, the professor or teacher, professor, whatever the heck he was, uh, warned us, Mr. Simonson was his name, crazy biology teacher, hair, you know, he's a mad scientist total guy. And uh, so we, he, reminded, he warned us, we're going to be doing dissection soon. We're doing dissection soon. We walked into class that day, sometime in February, and that classroom had the smell of death all through the room. You guys know the smell of formaldehyde, that sickly, sweet, dead thing smell? And there they were on our tables, laying in a, a brownie pan. And never look at brownies the same way. A brownie pan, of all things, on every table, every student got this gigantic, dead frog that was vacuum-sealed in a package of formaldehyde. Absolutely disgusting. So gross. And then he gave us scalpels, which is not a smart thing to give sophomores in high school, just saying. So he's like, here's a scalpel. Here's what we're going to do. And then he walked through, and they taught us how to dissect the frog. For weeks, there we were with this dead frog in our classroom. And they, we'd set him on the counter at the end of the day. You know, like, these dead frogs, and you put them on the counter, and you come back the next day. For like three weeks, we're dissecting this frog. We, we pulled it open. We looked at the fat bodies gross. We looked at the organs, grosser. We even pulled the brain out and stuck it inside a little file of formaldehyde, and I had a brain, a frog brain in my bedroom for like a year. And the worst part of that is I don't actually know what happened to it. It just was there, and then I don't know, maybe my mom threw it away. Maybe it's still there. They probably got it in a box in the basement. I don't know. But for three or four weeks, we're going through this thing, looking at every part of the frog. And I could draw the pieces for you. I could tell you how the organs worked. I could tell you how the muscle structure went together. I could tell you what was in the joints. We learned all the things we had to learn for the test. And then at the end of it all, I looked down, and there was my frog in its brownie pan on top of a piece of blue silicone with pins in it, all open, everything spread out before me, and I understood it, but my frog was still dead. How's your frog? Knowing all the things that I know about the Bible, all the studying, all the reading that I've done, coming at it from a me-centric perspective, I dissected it. And at the end of that dissection, my frog was still dead. How is your frog? Not good. So for me, things changed when I began to approach the Bible differently. When I began to approach the Bible from a different perspective, coming to see him, not me. Coming to understand him, not just me. Coming to listen to God rather than to tell him what I need. Rather than looking for the answers or solutions to my life. Our aim in reading the scripture is a dynamic, three-dimensional, life-altering conversation with God where we meet him and he meets us and he speaks his word and that word is full of power and it's full of grace for us to live through it and in it. Where our deepest selves are rousted out of our slumber where we come alive. And that's what happens when the Word comes alive, when we read it, looking for God, not looking for me. You ever turned on the radio in your car? And like, you're like, I want to listen to some music. I want to hear some music. 
you turn on the radio and you're like, suddenly you're in the middle of commercials. You're like, ah, I don't want to listen to commercials. So you turned it off. You turn it back on and it's on this song. This happens to me all the time at the Christian radio station. Isaac will get in the car, clicks on the radio, and I'm like enjoying my silence. And on comes this song and I'm just like, oh, I hate that song. Turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. And then every now and then, once in a blue moon, <laughs> the song will come on and I like it. I like it. I think a lot of us approach the Bible that way. Like, oh, I want to know something about God, or I want to know something about me. And we open the Bible, and it's just like a radio. You turn it on, and you're like, oh, it's ads again. It's a stupid diet plan. Yeah, turn it back off, and you put it away. And you come back to it. You turn it on, and you're like, oh, I don't like this song. This song is not good at all. Quick, turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it off. And sometimes you read it, and you're like, oh, that was encouraging. That felt pretty good. This is a two-dimensional reading of the Bible where we're approaching it for what we want but not what God wants to say to us. You're being invited. Now, I'm going to say this differently. You're being challenged to enter into a three-dimensional reading of the Scripture where your life becomes inspired by the inspired Word of God. Because what good is an inerrant, God-breathed Word if it's still dead to you? What good is an inerrant, God-breathed Word if you are dead in it and it doesn't make any sense to you and it doesn't hold any hope for you and it doesn't give you any power to live, what good is it if you don't discover something of God? You only hear yourself. I'm inviting you to read God's Word from a different perspective. Now, how do you do that? That's the big question, right? How are we going to get there? How do I come to this thing that's confusing, that's massive, that's got stuff in it, that's from cultures that make no sense to me? How do I read that and hear something from God? So the author, in his book, talks about lecto divina. We've talked about that. It's spiritual reading. It's where you read with spiritual eyes. And they, there's lots of different ways of doing this. Some of you have done soaping, right? So it's scripture, observation, application, prayer. That's one method of doing it, where you look at the scripture, you observe what it says, you apply it to your life, and you say, this is how this fits me, and I'm going I'm to pray and ask God to give me the power to do that. Others of you have done PB and J. It's prayer, Bible, journal, right? You've done that one, too. There's all these simple ways of doing it, but you ask me, at the end of the day, those things, they kind of be gimmicky, right? Soaked today, and I've got my armpits nice and clean. It's still about me. The way to read a spiritual reading of the Bible, like Lecto Divina, is really just to ask questions. That's the best way to have a conversation with anybody, right? Ask an open-ended question. There's, some, there's something for you, free. Didn't even charge you for that. If you want to have a good conversation with somebody, ask an open-ended question. How was your day-to-day? What's important to you? What was it like when you lost your job? How did you feel? You're going to get a conversation rather than, did you do well on your math test? Yes. It's over. Come to Jesus and the scripture asking open-ended questions. And you're going to wind up, you're going to have a conversation with God in the midst of it. So here's three, three questions that you can ask. And I've also given to these on your piece of paper. And we're going to take some time. I've got, I spoke for a half hour, and now we're going to take like 10 minutes and actually do a spiritual reading of a passage. And you're going to be reading from a passage in the book of Luke, chapter 10. A very familiar story with you for, for most of us. And so I'm hoping, because of that familiarity, that you're going to wind up having a different conversation. So here's the three questions. You ready? What does it say? Number one. Maybe a better way of saying that is if as you read it, you say, Jesus, what are you saying to me? Jesus, what are you saying to me? 
you want to read it slowly. Don't rush. Notice what's being said. What's repeating. You know, you hate it when somebody repeats themselves? Do you hate it when somebody repeats themselves? Still listening to me. Good. We read with our eyes. We read with our ears. We read with our nose. Put yourself in the place. Smell the bread. Smell the house. Smell your stinky next-door neighbor. What, you know, we read it with our senses, not just with our brains. I'm not, I'm not involved asking you to do a brainless reading of the Bible because that's exactly what it is. It's brainless. But we can't also just read it with our brains alone. We want to read it from a spiritual perspective with our spiritual eyes. So what is Jesus saying in the passage? Second question is very much like the first, but it's very different. What does it mean? What do you mean, Jesus, when you said this? What do you mean for my life? How many interpretations are there of the Bible? How many right interpretations are there of the Bible? Let me ask that question. Anybody got? How many right, correct interpretations? One. The thing is, <laughs> it's hard to understand what that is because the one correct interpretation of the Bible is the one interpretation that was met by the person who wrote it. So when God said it, what did he mean when he said it? When God, Jesus speaks to you, what does he mean when he speaks it to you? You're looking to interpret that, not just interpret words. It can be hard to get that, I understand, but take time. So we ask God, what do you mean? How are you coming to me through this text? What are you speaking to me? What do you mean? And once you understand the meaning of what it's saying to you, then you can ask this last question. And this is the most dangerous question you can ever ask. In this whole, let me just tell you, this is like playing with fire when you read the Bible, because it will mess you up. It will come into your life, and it will change everything, because every word from the mouth of God transforms us. What can I obey? Eugene Peterson, says, Eugene Peterson, the author of the message, he said this, the most important question we can ask of the text, the Bible, is not what does it mean, but what can I obey? Because a simple act of obedience will open our lives to the Bible far more quickly than any number of Bible studies. To say that the Bible is the inspired Word of God is not the same as living a life that's inspired by God's inspired Word of God. And we are called to live lives inspired by God's inspired Word. It said inspired like 15 times there. It was awesome. This is meant to be inspirational. It's meant to be life-altering and changing, and that happens when we obey. We don't just listen and forget. We listen and obey, and so become God's living Word. Paul calls us little letters of Christ, known and read by all. It's from 2 Corinthians. That's what he called the people in Corinth. You are God's little letters to the world around you, and everybody knows that letter, and everybody is reading that letter, and everybody's loving that letter. And that happens when we read the Word of God to understand what He is saying to us, and we obey. So I want to challenge you to live a life inspired by God's inspired Word. Not just informed by Scripture, but formed by God's voice through Scripture. So let's practice that. I'm going to give you guys like the next 10 minutes to read this passage. Read it slowly. And you can write. There's space to write on there. Ask what it's saying. And you can, you can you know, like talk to your neighbor a little bit quietly. And at the end of about 10 minutes, you know, between 8 and 10 minutes, I'm going to come back and we're going to sing a song to close our time this morning and to seal what God is saying. But get to this. Don't miss this last question. What am I going to obey today and tomorrow? All right?
On your mark, set, go. If you didn't get one, um, where's an usher? I need an usher. I got a Rob. Rob is going to go grab them. And if you give him one minute, wait till you hear him stomping his feet coming back in, raise your hand and he will get you one. He will get you one. So if you need one, raise your hand, would you? Right back here. There's like four right here. Oh, there's more over here. not have enough, and if we don't, you'll have to share with somebody next to you. It looks like we'll have a... Alright, so the passage is on the top. The three questions are down below that. And Let's do it this way. I'll ask you to slowly read the passage and listen to what God is saying to you. And in a couple minutes, I'll prompt you to do the next thing. So, let's read to hear. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. If anybody needs a pen, Jeff's got one here for you, too.
let's move to the next section. What does this mean? What is God saying to you in it and through it? I'm going to read this out loud. Let's read it slowly. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are so anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. What does it mean to you?
could ever see. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. So we live for you. So I will build my life upon your word. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken would you stand with me and let's sing this song how firm a foundation let's just declare to the Lord that we're going to stand on the firm foundation of his word this week and obey what he has called us to do how firm a foundation ye saints of the Lord is laid for your faith in his excellent word what more can he say than to you he has said to you who for refuge to jesus has fled when through the deep waters when through the deep waters I call you to go, the rivers of grief shall not you overflow, for I will be with you, your troubles to bless, and sanctify to you your deepest distress. The soul that on Jesus has leaned, the soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, he will not, he will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, he never will leave, he will never forsake. So let's just lift our hands and our voices and sing, I will build. I will build my life upon your word. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken. I will build my life upon 